This episode of GT the Podcast is supported by Alcon. This content is supported by Allergan Medical Affairs. All right. Uh, thank you all so much for joining. Um, we're going to have a little conversation about navigating some challenges after Zen uh, micro stent implantation. My name is Munjal Shah. I'm on faculty at the University of Michigan Kellogg Eye Center, uh, where, among other things, I have the joy of uh, being the Glaucoma Fellowship Director. And I am joined by the man who needs no introduction, but we'll give you one anyway, Steve Sarkissian. Hey, <clears throat> yes, uh, Dr. Steve Sarkissian here. I'm a former professor of ophthalmology at OU and uh, I'm now, uh, uh, for the last few years, uh, founder and CEO of Oklahoma Eye Surgeons uh, in Oklahoma City. And uh, uh, like Mondule, I, I was uh, a, a first adopter of uh, the Zen, having had an opportunity to uh, do the, the Zen outside the US before it became FDA approved. And, um, uh, uh, both of us very quickly ramp, ramped up and, and um, um, you know, we've, we've done hundreds of these cases now between the, between the two of us, um, probably over a thousand. Uh, and um, in both ab interno, ab externo. So, uh, you know, we definitely have a lot of experience between the two of us. And if, if there's a complication that can Happen. I mean, ask anyone that does a lot of surgery. You know, how how do you, uh, you know, if they, if they if they don't say they have any complications, they're not doing any surgery. Um, you know, you you have to. Uh, you, you know, it's just one of those things that 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 you know we're we're not building widgets in the widget factory. You know, where people are going to heal the way they're going to heal, and everything can be done absolutely perfectly with any surgery, and. Um, you know, stuff that can happen because, you know, like, well, like people. <laughs> so, uh, and, you know, Manjul just, you know, has published this fantastic paper uh, that about navigating challenges, at, challenges after Zen. Manjul, when's that, when is that coming out? And so it, it should be out? coming out in uh, current trends in ophthalmology any, any day now. In fact, uh, at the time of this podcast release, uh, it may be available already. So check it out. Um, me and my co-authors are really proud of it. It's, it's extremely comprehensive. It kind of covers it all. And, you know, I think we'll spend, spend the next little bit of time, Steve, if, if it sounds good to you, uh, breaking down a few of those topics. You know, again, we want to we get at root cause. We want to think about pathophysiology, how things can be prevented, how things can be managed, um, and how you know, yes, you're absolutely right. Surgery does uh, inherently have some variables that we can or can't account for, but it doesn't mean we can't, uh, at the end of the day, win win the battle. So um, I that agree. being said, you know, uh, let's let's jump right in. You know, one one topic that uh, definitely uh, comes up, and it, you know, I would argue is more of a a fear than a, an a, than a high, uh, high frequency concern is one of, uh, of, 
of implant or bleb leaks or, or implant erosions. Um, so I guess, have you, Steve, have you run into this? I'm sure, I'm sure we both have, uh, but are there any sort of uh, risk factors or sort of preoperative considerations that make you think, you know, this is a person who I got to be extra cautious, cautious of? Absolutely. Well, first I'll say that, you know, all these complications, you know, if I look at my first, I think my first 200 cases were all ab interno. And the complications you see with ab interno, which is how it's, you know, how it was FDA approved and how the clinical trials were done. The complications are different than ab externo, whether you're doing, yeah. you know, however you do ab externo. And so um, I would I would argue that the risk of a blood leak is certainly higher with ab externo, actually. Ab interno, it should be almost zero. Um, Correct, yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and so that's... Uh, that's important. The other thing I'll say is with ab interno, um, as far as erosions go, almost all of my erosions happened in those patients that were in those first 50 cases where a lot of them, I was making sort of a, a, a you know, a infrotemporal incision and my, all, all those early zens were too nasal mm, that, that, yeah. ended up, that ended up uh, eroding. Um, or where I had a large, a, a nasalized bleb, which is a whole other discussion, um, but can cause significant bleb dysesthesia. So, um, but, you know, I, I think the, the biomechanics of eyelid, the eyelid going over a nasal zen can lead to erosion, just like it does with tubes, which is why most of us with uh, tubes go, try to go at 12 o'clock. The same principle applies here to prevent it going at 12 o'clock. Um, but you know, the patients with the very deep set eyes are going to be at higher risk for this as well with ab interno, um, just because of the angle of approach. And so one of the ways that I've, I've, you know, changed my technique with ab interno is that I'll try to, I'll make my incision at either five or seven o'clock, you know, and, and point it towards 12 o'clock so that it goes in, it goes in at 12 o'clock. And, and the other thing you can do is, when the patient is sitting up before in the pre-op area, just take a, a marking pen and maybe mark 12 o'clock to have a better sense of when they're lying back where 12 o'clock is. And those, those are a couple of helpful techniques. Um, bleb that's leak, a great, yeah, yeah that's, that's a, that's, that's a great point, Steve. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think, I think a, a big, big factor is really trying to nail that 12, you know, plus or minus a clock hour. Um, you know, and another thing that I've started to do more recently and I'm, I'm, I would say I'm like 90% ab interno, um, but it's still nice to, to get that at, at 12 o'clock for, from a safety perspective and for a, from a comfort perspective, I've started to make my, uh, my, my sort of my second instrument, uh, supero nasally. I sit temporally. So I make it as opposed to supero temporally, I make it super nasally. So when I introduct the eye, I also intort the eye a little bit. So it makes it that much easier for my for my ab interno pass to find, uh, you know, find twelve o'clock. And in some eyes, uh, I can almost get towards the suprotemporal quadrant, which is you know extra credit, quite frankly. But getting away from the lid lid margin is huge. I also do like to spend a little bit of time sort of optimizing the ocular surface. I think that does add value. Uh, I definitely do uh, preoperative steroids, you know, anti-inflammatories, um, 
you know, obviously lubrication. And I got to I got to imagine just optimizing the conjunctiva in addition to sort of assessing it preoperatively. How thin is it? How mobile is it? That's got to that's got to pay dividends. Oh, for sure. I mean, a large part a number of these patients have blephritis, too. And so, mm-hmm. you know, considering a month of doxycycline prior to and, uh, you know, maybe a month before and a month after, um, you know, definitely helps with with wound healing as well. Yeah. Yeah. Great point. So say, Steve, you, you do have um, uh, an, an exposed leaking implant. What's, what's sort of your uh, approach? I mean, are, are these eyes, eyes that, you know, again, let's, let's take sort of the worst case scenario where you have a exposure over or adjacent to the actual implant. Again, not common, uh, but this, this is probably the more likely scenario as compared to a distal bleb leak somewhere else. Right. You know, again, because the, 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 the reason you're going to get a, uh, a leak is because of trauma from the needle, which is by definition going to be near the implant, uh, no matter what. Um, so what do you do? Uh, do you, do you try to aqueous suppress and, and antibiotics, steroids, et cetera, or, or are these eyes, you know, going back to the OR for you? Every single erosion of really any glaucoma drainage implant, uh, but certainly for the Zen, needs to be, you, you need to fix it. And so if, you know, I've had some of those early ones, you know, were with like three millimeters of the, 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 the tip of the Zen that was supposed to be in the subconscious area is it's basically just not covered. Like this Zen is all scarred, the conch is all scarred, you got three millimeters. Those, I, I'll just pull them out at the slit lamp. Uh, I'll make the patient sit for 30 minutes or something uh, in the waiting room, and then I'll bring them back and I'll just side down them. 100% of the time, they're not leaking anymore. So, and then it's put them on antibiotic maybe, or, or if they're not leaking anymore, you know, you can put some, you know, I mean, I, I use sterile technique. I'll put in betadine and everything. And so, um, you know, uh, and then it's just like a paracentesis. So you don't really need to put them on antibiotics. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, I'll take up and then I plan for plan B, which is either a second Zen in a different location or micropulse CPC or, or, you know, tube or, or something, you know, if there's just a small erosion somewhere in the middle, I'll take them back to the OR and it depends on where it is. Um, and I'll either take it out and, you know, put another one in or I'll, I'll try to salvage it by doing a large conjunctival incision and, um, you know, maybe doing, um, you know, a bit of a conj advancement. It really, you know, every case is different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's well said. So that, how about you? You know, I would say there's, there's probably a small handful of cases where I've been able to get them by, by, you know, uh, aqueous suppression, antibiotics you know, and, and, and a little bit of time, maybe a little bit of extra uh, care with the conjunctiva, doxycycline, lubrication, et cetera. These are typically, typically little tiny leaks that are distal uh, to the implant as opposed to adjacent or along the, along the body. Um, when, when, when there's a little bit more exposure or we got more implant, um, you know, at risk there, I, I've certainly tried, um, trimming a little bit if it's just the distal end. Uh, I've tried needling uh, the implants actually to see if I can kind of needle it away from the, from the weak area. And that's worked a, a small handful of times, but, but I'm with you, Steve. I think 
if we got implant exposure and it's of, of reasonable size, these are, these are probably getting pulled. And I, I do, I pull it at the slit lamp as well. Uh, uh, check the eye, sometimes put a bandage contact lens on just to, you know, belt and suspenders it. And then, you know, start making plans to optimize the eye uh, for, for the next procedure because they're gonna need something. Uh, be prepared. The other thing is, you know, I tell my, my team, my trainees certainly, be prepared for this person to go from uh, a low pressure to a spike once they're once they start producing enough aqueous and and the eye doesn't have trabecular outflow because it's had a bleb for uh, x amount of time so they can they can they can have a pretty acute spike kind of like a closing uh, cyclodialysis cleft and, and just, uh, just so people yeah. know the rate of erosion with a Zen, if you're an accomplished Zen surgeon, is like 1% or less. It's I mean, exceedingly low. Yeah. yeah. Just that we do a lot of these. Do you think we should move on to a little bit about obstruction? Yeah, I think let's, let's talk about another, you know, I would argue this is something that I'm, I think about a little bit more is obstruction or occlusion of the implant. You know, we're talking 45 microns. Again, that's, that's a beautiful thing. Um, from a safety standpoint, but it doesn't take a lot um, in the wrong context to, to block it off. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I've certainly seen these uh, in my own practice and referred in, you know, if, if that implantation isn't right on the money and uh, you're, you're a little too close to iris or you did have some uh, chamber shallowing after, after surgery and the iris got a little close to perhaps a well-placed then, um, there is that theoretical risk of just a little, little strand of iris finding its way there. Um, Have you found it's because the Zen's too long in the eye? Often, often there's, that. there's, yeah, I, I'd agree. Often there's something suboptimal with the placement. Either it's a little too long um, or it's a little too deep. It's a little too close to the iris. Um, and the good news is, good gonioscopy lets us figure this out and 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 the device is rather simple so you can if you figure it out you can often treat the problem so what have um, you done if, if if the tip of the zen is you know two and a half millimeters in the eye and your scleral tunnel because you did ab externo is maybe only a millimeter and a half and you got you know three and a half, four, you got four millimeters or so you got, you got, you know, whatever in the subconjaria, but your sterile tunnel is pretty short. Um, and, and it's your, the tip of your Zen is obstructed in a thick brown iris. You know, what, what, what are you, uh, what do you, how do you, what do you do? So say it's week, you know, it's, it's uh, week one and the pressure's 30 and you have this beautiful bleb, <laughs> but, you know, you had a beautiful bleb and it's, you know, a little lower now, but your pressure's 30 and your, your Zen tip is touching the iris. What do you do first? They're in the office. You know, I would say, you know, in, in this context, you have, granted, you have a short uh, intrasquital tract, but you got, you got some room. If, if the gonio entry is good, if you're, if you're, if where you're entering the eye in the angle is relatively far away from the iris, you have a couple options. Um, you can try to, uh, grab it ab externo uh, through uh, with a pair of non-tooth forceps, grab the distal end of the stent and pull it just a little bit in, um, you know, towards the conjunctiva side. And that may, you know, free it up, get it away from iris. You do that at, if, the, um, lamp, at the still lamp with lidocaine jelly or 
Just yeah, Paracane and pledge it. I'll and just typically just use uh, prepare a cane and and yeah, slit lamp is usually the easiest place for this. Just have them look down. Um, it doesn't. It's it's pretty uh, comfortable, quite frankly. The challenge is you got to get that grab right. Too too firm a grab and you'll you'll fracture the implant. Uh, too soft a grab and you're just not doing anything. You also it's nice to sort of engage the conjunctiva, translate the conjunctiva up towards the limbus, then grab the, the zen and then pull back. So you're not fighting uh, conjunctival tension when you're moving the stent. And if that doesn't work, honestly, at, even at a week out, a short needle track is gonna be close to healing in for yourself. You can just, I bet you can get away with yagging the tip of the, uh, of the Zen as well. Um, just ab interno using a mirrored, mirrored lens if you need to, and just sort of at the very least, uh, yag the iris away. And sometimes I'll actually, uh, you know, aim at the tip of the Zen itself and, and kind of shake it loose, really low energy, about as low as, as low as my yag laser will go is typically enough to kind of shake the dust off the, off the implant there. This episode of GT the podcast is supported by Alcon. So I've seen this two or three times and they're almost invariably patients with a very thick brown iris. And uh, I've found that 2% uh, pilocarpine, um, uh, I'll, I'll put, put pilocarpine in the office and make them, you know, Q5 times three and make them sit for a while. And invariably, just the act of putting pilocarpine, and it's really easy. If they're, I mean, if they're pseudophagic, they tolerate it really well. And and um, just that pulling of the tightening of the peripheral iris away from the angle can often free up the tip. It might still be touching it, <laughs> but the very tip is no longer necessarily obstructed. And I'll do a little digital massage, and and, and it usually opens it up pretty well. Uh, I have at least one patient on chronic pilocarpine just to solve that problem. I mean, it was, it was amazing. The pressure went from like 50 to 10. Um, and, then, and then you can, you, you know, can totally like, you know, at that point, I would say you, you have options. You could, you could treat the iris there with, with a little argon laser to kind of do a little bit of focal, focal iridoplasty, a little focal pilocarpine effect, if you will. Um, you, again, you could try to truncate the, the Zen ab interno with, uh, with the ag to again, get it uh, a little away from the iris, pull it away. You got some options at that point. Um, once you've kind of uncorked it as, as, as you did. The key here is if you notice that if the pressure is high at week one, you, you have to do gonioscopy. Absolutely. I don't do gonioscopy day one ever really, but, but, but at week one, I think regardless of how it looks, I think it's a good, good idea to do gonioscopy. But if there's any issue, I think, you know, for sure gonioscopy. I mean, you might be surprised. Some people who are aggressive eye rubbers may have rubbed it out of the eye and the pressure's high, you know? And so- Yeah, yeah, great um, point. You know, uh, but if you do have PAS, yeah, I agree. A little yag to the tip is, is a sure. good move. And, and yeah. um, that pilot trick, I kind of just fell upon, you know, and, and I found it to be- uh, yeah, that's a great, yes. great pearl. Have, have you had issues where, you know, um, you're, you're more concerned about, you know, blood, pigment, uh, or fibrin, you know, some, something kind of more intraluminal um, that, that may uh, be blocking, blocking things up? You know, the, the example I think of is, is uh, a patient with, with uh, a history of uh, uh, a goniotomy. 
So there was a little bit of reflux blood in the, in the anterior chamber, despite us trying to pressurize it. Zen went in fine. Uh, but again, that little bit of hyphema, again, very small, almost, you know, basically a micro hyphema. It's, it's going down the path of least resistance. And, and uh, I've had at least a, a situation or two where it's, it's clotted off basically in the lumen. Um, you know, and I think fibrin in a particularly, you know, hot post, post-op eye can also kind of do a similar thing. Uh, have you ever used um, uh, digital compression or, or even uh, like flushing the stent and uh, to, 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 to kind of free up something like that? So if you're, if you're going to do glaucoma surgery, <clears throat> there, there will be blood. So occasionally there will be blood, much less with the Zen than any, most anything else. But, you know, you're not really doing cautery with the Zen. So, you know, and so if you have a patient that's on blood thinners or excellent example, patient has had a previous goniotomy, aventurno goniotomy, and they have, you know, hypema, hyphema during the, even though the goniotomy wasn't necessarily working and that's why I had to do the Zen, it was still doing something and you still have that open connection during that relatively hypotenuse state when you're inserting the Zen, you know, you, you can definitely have reflux blood. And so the blood can be in two places, right? So if it's in the anterior chamber and you have a clot that's occluding the Zen, you can do a little digital massage to free it up. But usually I just ramp up the steroids and invariably it's gone. Um, if you have blood in the subconjunctival space, if you ended up with a large hematoma, I've seen obstruction there too. Yeah, great point. Just, The key is I just reassure the patient. I, I do a little digital massage. Um, often it will go down, but sometimes it doesn't. And I'll just restart meds. I'll, I'll have them do digital massage uh, at home, you know, uh, three times a day for, you know, five, 10 seconds. Um, and I'll follow them closely and I'll hit them hard with steroids too. Like every, every two hours while awake, you know, um, and see and follow them in a, you know, couple days, two, three days, just and usually with that really hard hitting steroids, almost always that will, that will go, whether it's inside or outside um, the globe itself, it will improve. Um, you just kind of have to be patient, you know? Um, and so, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Um, yeah. We should, we should have a, uh, we should have your face on a bumper sticker. Don't freak out. It's just, it's just glaucoma surgery. Um, should it be there will be blood or don't freak out? There you go. There you, know, you go. Maybe we can sell both. Yeah, I think so. We need to start a new business, you know. I, I think so. We have a lot of business ideas, you and me. <laughs> <laughs> have you have you ever have you ever used uh, TPA in this context? I haven't had to use TPA in a long time, but TPA, if you have it's pretty easy to get, you know. Um, especially if you have, you know, hospital privileges somewhere and you can get some and and um, you know. I found that to be a very good option, um, you know, in, in the office to, to address that issue. I haven't had to do it in years, but, but yeah, uh, it, it, it's something that kind of happens once every couple of years. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree, but it's a nice sort of um, it's a nice sort of trick in your back pocket if you have access to it, because uh I, I typically do 25 micrograms and 0.1 cc's and, you know, do a little AC tap with a 30 gauge needle and then, and then go ahead and inject some in. And especially when I'm pretty sure, again, for based on the clinical context that it was 
blood or fibrin that's that's in there again a postconeotomy case uh you know a little bit more inflammation um you know it 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 can just open the door and do it within 30 minutes which is uh pretty pretty awesome to see i've had blebs uh come back to life in front of my eyes uh as i'm as i'm finishing injecting that 0.1 cc's it's pretty amazing um occasionally i've had to revise these but but doesn't really happen too often where you're taking these eyes to the or um typically typically again like you, you said it, it sort of resolves on its own uh the other the other place where i do worry about obstruction is at the distal end you know with uh with just fiber fibrous growth and uh um, scarring kind of occluding the distal distal tip. And again, often this is something we can clinically see and deal with, with a, with a very simple office needling revision, where in addition to the usual needling, I'll just, I'll just lop off the distal end, just a little, little, uh, half millimeter or something. And that, that can be, you know, remarkable. I, a few, a few eyes where I I've needled them nothing's happening. I needle them again. Nothing's happening by lopping off the distal tip. It's, it's just amazing. You know, you, you can uh, really salvage a lot of these too. You mean with the YAG, with the YAG or? YAG or even yeah. with the needle, you know, you're in there, you know, needling, just uh, turn the, turn the bevel a little bit. And I typically just get anterior, you know, superficial to the Zen angle, the needle. Uh, so it's, it's the bevel is sort of my cutting blade and then just go push back towards the sclera and sort of pin the Zen between the, the bevel of the needle and the sclera. And it's, it's just a really easy uh, kind of cut. It, you know, the Zen doesn't give much resistance. So you can, you can be really kind of nuanced and just, just uh, uh, lop off the distal tip. And uh, you don't change your flow dynamics and, and Poisson's law, uh, but you, you kind of uncork the, the, the distal tip there. Well, that, that's why the old adage is really true. It, it, you know, the, the whole time I was speaking about Zen is make sure that the thing is as perfect as possible before you leave the OR the first time. Yeah. You know, just because it's in the eye and you have a bleb and, you know, it's covered, you know, you, you got part of it in the subconjunctival space and part of it in the anterior chamber doesn't mean it's good. You know, don't be afraid to pull it out and do it again if you don't like where it is pull it out three times and do it again, reload it and do it again until you're happy with it. Because, and that, and, and, and that, that matters. I mean, you know, um, you, you know, I, I think that a lot of the reports of needling uh, early on with the Zen were falsely high because people were just, you know, they had, they helped people and it was good, but they were, you know, nonetheless, they were, it was the learning curve, you know, and, and, totally. you know, if you adjust for that learning curve, you, you definitely, uh, you know, you, you definitely see an improvement. Uh, and I, I promise you my, my, uh, you know, all the cases I did after the first 50 cases were, you know, a lot of these issues were, were, were significantly reduced. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really amazing how, uh, how, how much you can grow and, um, and how much, you know, a little bit of practice and a little bit of thoughtfulness uh, can really have you know, huge impacts and really kind of streamline your world. Um, it's, it's a simple procedure, but sim simplicity doesn't mean ease. Um, it just means you can, you can think through the problems, you know, it's the, the problems are fortunately rare, but 
they're simple to kind of understand mechanistically. And, and, uh, you know, fortunately, if they're if they're relatively simple to understand, we can we can just sort of work through a reasonable algorithm and, and kind of uh, identify, fix, treat, still be bounded by you know incredible safety parameters. And I, I I'm with you, Steve. I've my practice has changed. You know, I don't do trabs except for when I got to teach the fellows what a trab is. You know, this 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 55 year old procedure that that our grandparents used to do. You know what I mean? Um, well, I, I think it's, that, it's remarkable. I, uh, absolutely. I think this is a good, a good place to close. And I, I think this has been a great discussion. I, I want to end on a kind of an encouraging note there then that, you know, we really had to think like plumbers, you know, and, and you can solve most of these problems if you just think about them and problem solve them. But, but really, you know, this is an excellent procedure, even, even with comp rates of complications. I mean, this, is, this has been a, a transformative thing for the glaucoma community. Uh, to, to have this surgery. And you know, even though this is a podcast about complications, um, you know, these are the things we remember. We forget about the, you know, the successes. Yeah. Beautifully. And so, yeah. Uh, but this has been awesome. I'm, I'm always happy to, to visit with you, Manjula, and to talk yeah. about this exciting, uh, uh, this exciting technology. Same, Steve. Good, good, good chatting with you. Hopefully we get to all do it in person real soon. See you soon, my friend. <laughs>